Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 108, How to Narrow Your Scope. Many students come up with great topics and arguments for their essays and research papers. The topics are timely, they're important, they're interesting. The problem is, the topics are also big enough, they need an entire encyclopedia to cover them adequately. For example, racism is the main cause of poverty, low education levels, and discrimination in the United States. Sounds like a great topic, but you have five to 10 pages, maybe 15 to 20, depending on your class and on your teacher. How much can you cover in five to 10 pages? Not that much. Something this big isn't a research topic. It's a research program. It's a topic for an encyclopedia on race and poverty. It's a subject for a book, not a short paper. Actually, I think it's more a subject for like 18 shelves of books. Yeah. You know, and the thing is that, and first let's put it out here. This kind of overestimating is completely normal. Everyone does it. Everyone. It doesn't matter whether you are a first year undergrad or a graduate student or a brand new assistant professor or someone who's been in the field for 40 years. One of the big issues with figuring out what you want to write about is, well, figuring out exactly what you want to write about. And when you're learning about big topics, which is what's happening in undergrad, it's normal to pick a big topic to write about, whether that's racism or poverty or um, discrimination. It's normal to do that. But when you have to choose your own topic, one skill you need to learn and learn early is how to narrow it down so you have a topic that is interesting and related to your course, but won't overwhelm you while you're trying to write it. So instead, narrow your scope using these three criteria, time, place, and people. Time. What time period do you want to examine? Is it recent? Long ago? Current? Set the first scope condition on the time period. There are two reasons for this. First, it limits how much research you're going to have to look at. Second, it helps you narrow down the other two criteria. We recommend you stick within a 10-year time period unless the thing you're looking at happened before the year 1900, because there will be much less research available the further back in time you go. We also recommend avoiding time periods that include the last five years because of how research is created and published. You'll usually not see a lot of data-based research on a topic until three to four years after the thing happened, and many times, Database research is what your professor will expect you to use to back up your paper. So let's say a student wants to study race as a cause of poverty and discrimination in the 1990s. Well, this sets the time period, doesn't it? 1990 to 1999. Let's say another student wants to study the anti-war movement in the 1960s. That sets the time period as 1960 to 1969. Nice, tidy 10-year periods. You can also choose shorter time periods. For example, someone wanting to study a presidential administration would probably look at the four or eight years that president was in office, plus maybe the year before their first term while they were running for office. So there are different ways to determine a time period, but ideally, keep it 10 years or below. 
The next thing is to look at place. Where do you most want to study? The United States? That's a little broad for a 10-page undergraduate paper, so try narrowing it down. California? Mm, maybe still too broad. That's a big area. Southern California? Sure, but you'll need to define what you're talking about. Where does Southern California begin and end? And for those of you outside of Southern California, no, it's not just Los Angeles. So why do you define it that way? Is it LA County? Well, that's already defined. It's a reasonable size, but you can go as narrow as a single neighborhood or a single school inside a county, and that's all right too. You can do the same thing with larger states like Texas and Alaska. Narrow it down to one county or one city. With smaller states, you may want to look up the whole state, but try to limit it to a reasonably sized place so you're not trying to write about 18 different cities and their populations in a short paper. Note that place may also guide you to people. If you're talking about the village in New York City, you're probably talking about the LGBTQ community if you choose a time from the 1960s onward. If you choose Spanish Harlem, you're probably going to talk about Puerto Ricans. If you choose New Orleans, the African-American community is the most likely group to talk about there. But if the place doesn't automatically guide you to a group, then your last step is to think about people. Who do you want to learn about? Are you interested in poverty among Latinos, Blacks, non-whites, women? Narrow your field to one group if possible. If not, time and place should serve as a decent limitation on your scope. So one possible result from that original idea that we talked about at the beginning where Janor said racism is the cause of poverty, low education levels, and discrimination in the United States, if we're going to narrow that down, we might get something like for Black people in Los Angeles County in the 1990s, Racism was a cause of poverty, low education levels, and discrimination. That's doable. That sets a time period. You're not going to be trying to look at everything outside the 1990s. You're only going to look at that 10-year time period. Now, I find that a lot of times, and not just about this, students can do great work. They can do great work if they just have tools and guidance using those tools. I've had so many students who turn in incredibly ambitious papers, and I can tell they want to talk about these issues, but not knowing how to narrow their scope down to something manageable damages their ability to talk about what they want to talk about. Instead, they get overwhelmed by how much research there is to dig through. I want my students to find valid research, but I don't want them to drown in it. So coming up with this time, place, and people method of narrowing the scope, that's helped dozens of my students who were floundering and drowning before. Now, often I struggle with overestimating projects, so I know what students go through. With the topics I research, I'll take one question and keep pushing it further and further and further. And that works really, really, really well for books and really badly for articles because articles are typically 15 to 30 pages. In that same vein, writing five to 10 pages demands you put more limits than a 15 to 20 page paper. And it's good to know where to limit. I know when I was talking about my dissertation before I did the research, I was presenting what I wanted to do as the project to my committee. And I was thinking, here's how many men athletes I want to invest or I want to interview. Here's how many women athletes. Here's how many white athletes, non-white athletes. Here's how many football players, division one, and so on and so on. I was trying to do too much to the point that my committee said, you're going to end up with more variables than people to interview if you keep going this way. Instead, try and put one or two limits. 
try and focus on the kind of school, try and focus on the sport and see where you go from there. So learning how to put one or two guiding limits can really help you start your research more effectively than trying to bite off more than you can chew and trying to learn everything there is to know on one single topic. You can explain why you're looking at a specific time period or a place or a population and explain it to a reader. And this focus allows you to dive into more detail and explain your problem more thoroughly. Think of this as the idea of focusing on writing a chapter instead of writing a whole book. And the way students can use this, when you're assigned a paper where you have to pick your own topic, use this method of time, place, and people to make your topic something that's interesting, relevant, and manageable. You'll find that knowing what time period you're talking about, what geographic area, and which group of people can make a really big difference in how you approach the paper and look for research. And teachers, if you want your students to stretch a little bit, if you're tired of assigning that same paper on the Revolutionary War every single semester in your history classes, and you want them to have to kind of maybe stretch a little bit and pick their own topics, give them this tool and have them pick their own topics and then have them narrow them down. You'll be really surprised at the good work you get when your students have this tool to guide them through what they're doing. So that's what we have for you in episode 108. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 109, when we'll talk about how to prepare for your final exams. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. And we look forward to seeing you next week.